listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. All right. Well, Mission Church, you are seven. You're seven, right? Okay, so let's... uh, Let's think about that here. Um, seven, like what? Who who knows the Christmas Carol? Um, uh, what's it called? Yes, Partridge on a Pear Tree. That's not the name of it, but Twelve Days of Christmas. There you go. Who who knows off the top of their head what the seven is? Lords a leaping. What the heck, man? Come on. You need to learn your Christmas carols. Seven swans of swimming, right? Good job, Amanda. That's awesome. The number seven has all kinds of significance. Hi, cupcakes. I'm talking to you, Ricardo, not the cupcakes. That wasn't distracting at all. Seven, seven, what, what, seven, son, swan, what? Now I'm all, thank you guys with the cupcakes. You just made my tongue twist. Um, the number seven holds all kinds of significance. Did you know that? Uh, especially throughout the Bible, uh, the number seven is used 735 times in the Bible. The whole, the the number seven uh, is used 54 times just in the book of Revelation alone. 54 times, right? And if we include this in our count of how, uh, you know, how many times sevenfold is, which is six, or uh, seventh, uh, that's 119. So if we include those, our total jumps up to 860 references, right? Uh, The word created is used seven times to to describe God's creative work, right? There are seven days in the week, and the seventh day is God's Sabbath, right? It's his Sabbath. It's his day of rest, right? The Bible has a whole, uh, the Bible as a whole, rather, was originally divided into seven major divisions. The first one is the law, second, the prophets, three, the writings or Psalms, four, the gospels and acts, five, general epistles, six, the epistles of Paul, and the book of Revelations. The total number of originally inspired books was 49, or seven times seven, demonstrating absolute per- the, the absolute perfection of God's word, right? In the Old Testament, seven men were named and referenced to as men of God. Moses, Samuel, David, Shemaiah, Elijah, Elisha, and Hanan. The book of Hebrews 
written by the Apostle Paul, he uses seven titles to refer to Jesus. Heir of all things, captain of our salvation, apostle, author of salvation, forerunner, high priest, and the author and finisher of our faith. In James 13, Jesus is quoted as giving seven parables, right? Seven psalms are quoted that were written by David in the New Testament. Jesus performed seven miracles on God's holy Sabbath day. In the book of Revelations, there are seven churches and seven angels to the seven churches and seven seals and seven trumpet plagues and seven thunder and seven last plagues. The first resurrection of the dead is supposed to take place at the seventh trumpet sound, completing the salvation of the church. Now, I'm not asking you to put on your tinfoil hats or anything like that and and, and like go into a, like I'm not talking conspiracy. This is all just fact out of the Bible, right? And uh, from the very beginning, the Bible has this very significant use of the number seven. And it, it carries a huge significance. And the theme of this number seems to all come down to being complete, or maybe better stated, wholeness, wholeness, right? So what does that mean for us as a church on our seventh anniversary? What does that mean for our family on our seventh anniversary? And I, I think it stands as a reminder that we have everything we need. We have everything we need. We've been made complete in Christ. We have everything we need. I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the next accomplishment or the next goal or the next hill to climb or the next thing to do or the next problem to solve that we forget to rest in the fact that we are complete in Christ. Complete being that all of our sins have been washed away by Christ, and it's a free gift that we only need to accept and not work for, right? He's made us complete, and he has given us everything we need to be whole, right? Colossians 2, 9 and 10 say this, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Think about that. For in him, the whole fullness, not, he wasn't partly full, he wasn't three quarters full, or as often as my gas tank is, a quarter full, right? He wasn't, he wasn't a quarter full. He had the fullness of God in, in him, Jesus. And, and this verse 10, this is what's jaw-dropping to me. And you, you Christ follower, you, you have been filled in him 
who is the head of all rule and authority. So in a very real way, the fullness of God dwelled in Jesus. And because the spirit of Jesus fills every Christian that truly follows him, they have been made truly whole. Notice I said follow and not believe. Because you can say you're a Christian and believe all day long, but until you begin to follow Jesus, that's when you begin to made, be made whole. As a church, I think this is relevant because in a very real sense, our church has been playing catch-up for a long time. And some of, some of you, that may, may not make sense to, um, and some of you, it makes perfect sense to. But here's the deal is we've been playing catch-up as a church for a long time. The first three years of the mission's life were just really difficult. It was really difficult. Um, uh, in that time, we went through two lead pastors and some pretty extreme internal conflict in those first three years. And we were suddenly saddled with an incredible amount of debt for a church that was just starting out, right? But today, we stand here, that was the first three years, but here today, we stand here on the seven-year anniversary of the mission, and it's special when you think about it. You know, people tend to celebrate five and ten, but... The number seven is just like sometimes gets skipped over the numbers in between. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not having a birthday this year. Like, maybe I'll celebrate 50 or something. But, you know, um, and it's very special to us because here's why. Because we have been a healthy, thriving church one year longer, four years, than we were unhealthy in those difficult first three years of the mission's existence. We have been a healthy, thriving church for one year longer than we were this other thing. And I just can't help but praise God for it. Because those years were tough. And the only reason why we made it through, I mean, God provided for us every step of the way. But we had some people who are currently still on our leadership team step up to the plate and say, this is, this is my family, and I'm not going anywhere even though it's hard. And I thank you guys for that. The, this year seven feels significant to me because I just particularly this year, I... I sense the Lord just saying over the mission, like, you have everything you need. You have everything you need to do the work that I have called you to do. You have everything you need. And just in case you thought this was a mission accomplished speech, um, it's not. <laughs> we still have work to do. But it's a, it's a, it's a deeper work. It's, it's, the work of discipleship, the work of spiritual growth, and, and it's the work of sharing the, the gospel of Jesus with our lives and with our words. 
I love that St. Francis Assisi quote where he says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. I love that quote. And what I see a lot of young folks doing is saying, okay, that means I don't have to use my words. But we really need both. We really need both. So sharing the gospel of Jesus with our lives and with our words. And also the work we have to do is as Donald Donald Miller says, holding up our hands against the wounds of a broken world to stop the bleeding. That's the work we have left to do. We are called to teach new believers how to feed themselves with the word of God and take ownership of their part in their own discipleship and the discipleship of others. This is the work we have this is the work we've always been called to do. And nothing has changed, but I sense the Lord in this moment asking us to lay down our our doubt in ourself. I, I sense the Lord asking us to cast aside the idea that we will ever feel ready. And I sense the Lord asking us to own the moment we're in, to own this moment right now that we're in for everything that it's worth. When Kobe Bryant died a few Sundays ago, I didn't believe it until I actually got home from church after an event and everything like that, and Ricardo told me, but I was just like, oh, that could be fake news, you know, and I just was busy and didn't believe, and, and then I discovered that it was true, and it was shocking, and horribly, horribly sad, and I, I just sense a lot of people, this is what I'm hearing from people, is, is right around New Year's, I get this sense that people have hope that this new year is going to be different than the old year, right? But then things like this happen, and other things happen in, in our families, in our lives, and, and then we just begin, like, gradually to lose hope that this year is going to be different than next year. And here's what I want to say to us as a church family is let's not just let this year happen to us. Let's not let this year happen to us. Let's dig into it. Let's own this moment we're in. And I'm not talking about uh, taking control back of, uh, you know, of your life from Christ. What I'm talking about is, is how discipleship is, is, a, is really a partnership, right? There's a partnership between you and God, and there's a partnership between you and the, fam- the church family that you belong to. But here's the deal is I feel like God is asking us to own our end of the partnership. Not just letting this year happen to me, not expecting my grow group leader to feed me Bible verses so that I feel like I'm growing spiritually, but take ownership in our own discipleship.
and the discipleship of those around us. I see a lot of wide eyes. Are you, are you tracking with me? So next week, we're going to start a new series called Own the Moment. And we're going to discuss some areas that trip us up in owning the moment of our discipleship, this moment that we're in. We're going to talk about forgiveness because holding unforgiveness in our hearts is, is one of the easiest ways to trip up. Holding on to that unforgiveness, letting it go in forgiveness begins to bring so much freedom to your life. We're going to talk about um, rest and balance as a culture. Our lives are so busy. Who feels that? There's always something, right? And the church is part of it, right? We try really hard not to schedule things here at the church that are going to take away one more night. We always try to be smart about how we schedule it so that we're not stealing more of your family time and, and you know, your rest time, your balance time. We try to take those things into account. Um, and so rest and balance is, is one thing we're going to talk about, protecting our devotional time and, and quiet space with God is another thing we're going to talk about. Because when we lack a rhythm of that, it's so easy to get disconnected. And then one of the things that we're going to talk about that we actually don't talk about a lot here at the mission and haven't in the past is we're going to talk about... Um, how we handle our finances. Because finance, Jesus talked about finances almost more than anything else in the New Testament because he knew that it would be a constant stumbling block for us, right? So we're going to talk about it. So I really would love it if you guys would commit to being here through this next series and think about what it's going to take for you to step up in ownership of your role in your discipleship. As the band comes, maybe you're here and you're not even a believer, but something today spoke to you. Something today spoke to you. Maybe it was a, a song or a scripture or a prayer, but for whatever reason, you're feeling this like, tugging on your heart that all this is real. And here's what I want to say to you. Don't ignore that feeling. Don't ignore it. It's easy to think of all the things you've done wrong in your life and just dismiss this feeling as if you are disqualified from a relationship with the God who loves you. You're, you're not. You're not disqualified. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. You are not disqualified. You can be made whole today in Jesus. You can be forgiven right now because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ never runs out. Jesus had an interaction with Peter 
that sums this up very well. And it's this, Matthew 18, 21 through 22. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Peter was throwing out the number seven like like it was this insurmountable number, like just this ludicrous number of forgiveness. And Jesus says, no, not seven times, 77 times. And some... uh, Some translations say 70 times 7 or something like that, right? Yeah. I find it funny that, again, here we see this number 7, right? 7, 70 times 7. And when Jesus says that, he's just saying, like, you always forgive. You always forgive. It's not about the number. You're not going to really keep track of 70 times 7 times of forgiveness. Oh, I reached 77. I'm done with you now. Jesus is saying you always forgive. And I believe that that's what God is saying to those in this room right now that might be feeling that tug on their heart or, or that may not have accepted Christ is that if you're feeling disqualified, you're not. Because the grace of Jesus never runs out. And no matter what you've done, it's covered. It's covered. It's paid for by the blood of Jesus. So with every, let's just go to prayer. Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this celebration. Lord, I thank you for this reminder that we have everything we need as followers of Christ for the work that you have called us to do. We may not feel ready. We may have doubts. But Lord, I sense you asking us to just lay those down. and trust you. Father, give us courage to step forward in boldness and to own the moment, Lord, to own this moment in our our own discipleship. Father, that we would partner with you and partner with the local church and that we would do our part, Father. that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear those that are wounded around us, Father. Father, I pray a special blessing over this year. 
over this season, God. I'm so encouraged, Lord. I see so many people really digging into life together in this community, really digging into discipleship, really doing life together. And it makes me so encouraged to see you at work, Father. Lord, we will step out in boldness. Guide us as we do. Help us to remember that the the fullness of God dwelled in you, Jesus. And, And your spirit dwells within us. Help us to trust you more. And for those who are here that, that may feel like they're disqualified from a relationship with God, I pray, God, that those walls would come crashing down, Lord. Those barriers that are blocking would be met with love and forgiveness right now. Father, I pray, God, that you, Lord, that you would tug on the heart of the people you're drawing near to you. Lord, your forgiveness through Christ never runs out. And as as we grow, we realize that's not a license to sin. Father, some of us just need to hear that there's a Father in heaven who loves us. We know we're sinners. We get that. But we thank you, Father, that you love us. Love us enough to send Jesus to the cross. You're so good to us. So if that's you and you're the, the, the there's a tugging on your heart right now. I believe that, that that the Holy Spirit is at work. So here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer right now. I'm going to ask you to come find me after service. I'm going to be right here, right up front. After service, come find me. I would love to pray with you and talk to you. Thank you, God. As the ushers come forward and we collect our tithes and offering, God, I pray that this offering would be acceptable to you and pleasing to you. I pray, Lord, that there would be generosity that would flow, Lord, when we try to hand, uh, when we try to close our fists around what you've given us, Lord rather than hold it with an open hand for you to use as a tool. Lord, that's when we get our heart heart all mixed up, Father. So I pray, Lord, now that, that we would just realize that the money that we have is a tool and a gift from you. Use it to build your kingdom in our neighborhood and in the nations. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen.
you are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.